to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and our guest is Dexter Harris. And he has an incredible story to share with us today. I met him back in California at one of his fantastic meetups that he and his partner also runs out in Glendale. And so I'm super excited to have Dexter come on the show and share a little bit about himself, his background, and his real estate journey. I won't steal your thunder, Dexter, so I'll let you share, but welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Eileen. Appreciate it. Like I said, I appreciate you and your husband being our guest speakers. Y'all dropped a lot of very valuable information. That was our first annual toy drive that Jason and I had. And a lot of attendees brought a lot of toys that brought smiles to the children's faces this last Christmas. And I appreciate that. Oh, no, it's fantastic that you guys were able to put on such a fantastic event and um, doing something to give back to the community. So I appreciate you definitely. That's what it's about. Most definitely giving back because I'm from South Central Los Angeles and um, I was disenfranchised kid, you know, in poverty and grew up in poverty. So it's most definitely feel good to be able to give back now that I'm in a position to give back to kids from the inner city where I'm from. So, Dexter, let's start off there and share with us a little bit more about your background, because it's an incredible story about where you've been in the past and like where you are today. But give us a little bit of an insight into, you know, how you grew up, where you came from. Sure. All right. No problem at all. I'm Dexter Harris from South Central Los Angeles. As a youth, I was a third generation gang member. My mom was off and on drugs most of my childhood. My father was murdered from senseless violence. I became a teenage parent. I graduated high school with two kids. I um, graduated college with four kids and a family. I have a degree in criminal justice. Always wanted something different for myself. Seeing other family and friends lose their life to gang violence or either lose their freedom behind gang violence. So I just wanted something different. And then by me having a child at a young age, it made me the man that I am today. Being there and being present for my children and, and you know giving them something that they didn't have an active father. That's just helped me stay on track and get out of that gang life, that gang culture. Because like I say, uh, growing up in South Central Los Angeles, I was a product of my environment because that's all that I knew and seen. And I graduated with a bachelor's in criminal justice with aspiration to becoming a parole agent. But I got a job working for the school board, working with special needs children. And that became rewarding and very gratifying. I did that for 11 years. And, you know, I fell in love with all the breaks, too, the winter breaks, the spring breaks, the set schedule, the weekends off, you know, <laughs> and uh, the summer vacations. It's not just the kids and, who enjoy it. It's the teachers, right? too. <laughs> exactly. We enjoy it, too. Exactly. Because it's a mental reset for us also to be able to recharge our batteries. And, you know, so I enjoyed that. Yep. So, Dexter, you had a life that was quite challenging and you face a lot more than most people have been able to see in you know their entire lifetime especially being in the environment that you are in how did you overcome getting out of that mindset and changing the way you think outside of the network that you were surrounded by the environment that you're in right good question 
seeing other family members being involved in a life of crime and like I mentioned, either losing their life to it or getting a long prison sentence. Those were the things that I seen growing up knowing like, okay, I don't want that for myself because it looks good at the moment, but is the risk worth the reward? And at the end, it's not. So I wanted something different for myself. And then other older family members that I looked up to that were involved in the street life, the gang life was telling me, hey, do something different with your life. All these men in our family, we have to do something different. I didn't see it then as a child. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. But as I started growing and learning and experiencing more about life and seeing other family members, like I say, get long prison sentences behind of whatever they was involved in, like, okay, most definitely, I don't want that. And when I was 15 years old, I got shot and I was on a track of same track that my father was on, almost losing my life to violence. Ex-wife at the time was pregnant with our first child. So I was like, I was basically on that same path. So I had to get myself together. If I keep going a million miles down this dead end street, I'm going to crash and burn. <laughs> so that's what got me together, got my life together. Like I said, I'm going to have a child. So I really got to grow up. So I, I had to grow up fast. Like I said, I had my first daughter at 16. I wanted to play high school football, but I had an after school job at high school and providing, buying, taking care of my child. <laughs> so interesting just to hear about the different ways people have grown up in the environments and the challenges that they've had to face, especially in the environment that you are in. As you were trying to pull yourself out of that situation, change the trajectory of your path and not go down the path that you've seen so many of your family and friends and peers had gone down. Were there ever times when situations and people tried to hold you back from achieving your goals and trying to get out of that place in order to make something more of yourself? No, it wasn't because I didn't hang out in those environments anymore. You know, once I was going to school, once I got out of school, I was I had an after school job and I was working from like four to midnight. So when I got home, I was tired, ready to go to sleep or I did some homework for school the next day. So I knew if I stayed in those environments, then I, I know the consequences that would come with it. And if I wanted to continue growing and do something with my life, I had to distance myself from those environments. You know, as a kid growing up in South Central Los Angeles, it is the outside environment that would change us if we continue being involved in it, being in the gang life and being involved in a life of crime. Because that's basically what gang life is about, just being involved in a life of crime. But if you want something different from yourself, you have to distance yourself from those people that's doing that same thing that you no longer want to be a part of because you know the consequences of it. And me, like I said, I had a child and I know I wanted something different for them. And that's having an active father. And I wanted something for myself to, you know, grow up and enjoy life the right way. <laughs> so you really removed yourself from the environment, the negativity environment, so that you can move forward and, and create and channel a new path for yourself and for your family. Yes. Yes, I did. And it's, it's easier said than done, you know, because like I say, I still working and going to school. I still lived in a community. It's a liquor store that everybody hang out at in my community. So I would go and get what I need and get out of there. Like I said, when I mentioned when I was 15, I got shot at that liquor store. So I always felt eerie or kind of creepy or nervous when I go to that liquor store because I know it's a known uh, hangout for gang members, you know, because like I said, I was a former gang member hanging out at that liquor store. So if I needed something from the store, I would get in and get out and go on about my day, say hey to friends and family, hey, you know, I'm working, staying out the way, and I catch y'all later. Y'all be safe. And I just kept pushing 
And then when I run into a family member or a friend, hey, man, I'm finishing up high school. I'm working. I, you know, I don't do that anymore, man. I, I got a family to take care of, and I want to be there for my child. And they respected that. They see me growing up as a teenager, growing into the man that I am today, and they respected that. That was never a challenge to come back and hang out on the block or come do this or go do that and to get me caught up in that life that I know I was getting out of. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that you're able to overcome all those challenges and to create new opportunities for yourself. So I want to fast forward a little bit to where you are today and how you got started in real estate because you were teenage parent, had two kids, you went to college, got a degree with four kids. And so you had quite a lot on your plate to be able to establish yourself while being a full-time parent, going to school, getting your degree, working at the same time, providing for your family. What did you do and how did you get introduced to the world of real estate? And how did you have the time to be able to do all of that? (laughs) Introduced to the world of real estate was the end of 2019. I went to a RE mentor um, seminar, Dave Lindahl, not sponsoring him, but it was an eye opener for me, a multifamily investing on how you can create generational wealth and doing a value add opportunity of forced appreciation, increasing the rent and decreasing the expenses, and then taking the new rent and are dividing it by the cap rate. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. When 2020 came and everybody got shut down during a pandemic, I really went full fledged in it networking via Zoom and working with other investors, uh, other experienced syndicators, you know, um, seeing people at a level I want to achieve in this business, even though I didn't know anything, but I still would ask a a question. As they say, uh, there's no such thing as a silly question if you don't ask, right? So with that being said, I would show up and be present and also ask those questions and exchange information and have those conversations offline with other experienced syndicators, other experienced real estate investors, and people that's just having success in the business. And that has helped me. So once you started going and attending and building out your network, what did you do in order to take the next steps and actions and getting involved in your first real estate deal? That was finding my market, laying out my buy box, know what I'm looking for, my buy box, the properties that I'm looking for in the areas, most definitely a lot of economic drivers in that market. I invest in Houston, Texas and San Antonio. As people know, or if you not know, Texas is a landlord and business friendly state. Houston has is on a path to progress with for, more than, I believe, 25 Fortune 500 companies. The average age is about 32 years old and it's 48% renters. So that's why I invest in Houston. Like I said, I like those economic drivers. And the same thing with San Antonio in the markets, the north and northwest side of San Antonio has a lot of economic drivers also with a diverse employment, um, back, um, diverse employment opportunity there where um, people continue working in different backgrounds of work. And when you first got started and you started looking at these markets, you know, a lot of times when people are first getting started, um, or at least considering getting into real estate, one of the things is like, you know, real estate, there's a threshold or there's a hurdle that I have to get into in order to be involved in real estate. Did you have to face any of those challenges? And what are some of the things that you had to overcome in order to 
to get into your first deal? Asking people for money, raising capital. <laughs> that is an uncomfortable conversation. So I like to bring a lot of information and education to my family and friends on what I'm doing. A little bit more background about me. I have a vending machine business and I was able to scale that up to 14 locations and family and friends seeing that. So they know I was serious about business. And as I started learning and educating myself on multifamily investing and what I was doing, I would share with family and friends, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. This is where I'm going. And this is what I'm looking to invest in. And hopefully I can get you on as an investor and let you know this, that, and the third on what I can give you back on your investment. And some people are like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll do it. And then when the time came to it, you know, they were like, ah, eat, uh, maybe on the next one. So it's hard getting people to commit when you don't have an established track record, especially family and friends. They want to see the work done first and then they'll invest in you. <laughs> we love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. No, absolutely. And it's, it's not just the track record also, but it's the education side. Because right. typically a lot of people, even in our networks and everything like that, they don't hear about syndication. They don't really understand this way of investing. So it's something completely new to them. So the hurdle also is the education side of things and the proof of concept for them to see, well, (laughs) Dexter has been fantastic and he's been successful in the vending machine business, but we don't understand this real estate stuff. So we want to see what he's doing in this space. And is it real? Like, how does it work and stuff like that? And trying to overcome those mental challenges and hurdles on the education side. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Exactly. Most definitely, like I say, I bring a lot of education by reaching out and sharing with them what I know now to, hey, I'm going to most definitely be a successful syndicator. Either you get with me now or you get with me later and the opportunity will still be there. And then by Jason and I having this meetup, it shows myself as expert in the space of maintaining these meetups and having successful events, people coming out and supporting to where they do see my business, D. Harris Group, or hear my name, Dexter Harris, that it may ring a bell like, oh, that one of his meetups. <laughs> so what have you been doing in order to start to ramp up you know, your track record, your education base, to really start moving the needle to get into syndications and start building up and scaling to where you want to be? Right. Most definitely continue building relationships with brokers in my markets, as they send me deals, I send them some feedback if it doesn't hit my numbers or not. I stay in relationship with my investors, whether via email, phone call, or text, and letting them know what I'm up to. I continue going on Zoom calls, networking, and I stay reading and educating myself on what's going on with the business and on what's going on in my market as I can continue learning and educating myself. 
So you've already been an entrepreneur in the vending machine business. You own several locations already. Does that translate well into real estate? And how do you look at real estate as a business for yourself? And what are some of the things that you have to establish and set up on the business side of things as well? Um, the business side of real estate is most definitely first building my team out. The first one will be an attorney. The second will be my property manager and making sure that when I'm working with my property management company, that we hit the numbers that we're going to hit and execute our business strategy, which is turning the units, renovating them, or either letting the new, letting the current tenants know, hey, rent is going to go up in X amount of days, and you have an option to either accept the new rent or vacate the property. So that's most definitely one of the things that's part of my business strategy. How did you start getting deals, the inflow of deals to start underwriting and looking at potential opportunities, especially starting out? I know you mentioned the broker relationships, but how did that kind of all come about, especially when you're first getting started? Right. I got a mentor. My mentor is Sterling White. And one of his marketed strategy is cold calling. So that is one of my strategies too. I cold call. And once I cold called all my prospective buyers, then I start building a relationship with brokers and sending my buy box or my deal criteria and letting them know, hey, I'm a serious investor. And if these properties come across your desk that fits my buy box or deal criteria, please send them over to me and I'll give you some feedback within 24 to 48 hours. Once again, it's a stand relationship with those brokers and also those other potential sellers that I mentioned that I cold call. And that's just reaching out to them via text or email. Hey, I'm still interested in buying. Whenever you think about selling, hopefully I come to mind here and I can close on your deal. I'm ready. <laughs> so the markets that you're focused on right now are primarily in Texas. Can you yes. share a little bit more about how did you narrow down your criteria into those markets? And what are some of the things that were important to you as you were looking to start your focus on? Because there's so many markets out in the US. Right, exactly. How do you even know where to start? I focus on Texas because it's a landlord and business friendly state. I do have friends and family that lived in those markets that I mentioned, Houston and San Antonio. So it wouldn't be a problem for me to go down there and travel. And then Houston is most definitely in a path to progress, but a lot of economic drivers behind it. One of them being home to 25 Fortune 500 companies. And it's the renter population is 48% and the average age is 32 years old. The San Antonio, the market is north and northwest of San Antonio. It's a lot of economic driving forces there with medical, military, and another big company called Hub. I think it's Hub, H-E-B, a big grocery retail store. And they have a, a in San Antonio also, it's more, um, it's new employers drive, um, coming to the market down in San Antonio. So that, that's why I picked those two areas because I like the economic driver forces for them. So then once you picked your market, what was the first thing afterwards that you started building out your list? Because you mentioned that you started cold calling. How did you, what are some of the things that you did first to start building out your list on, you know, who to start calling? I had access to Renatomy and I looked up all the owners between 16 and 32 units, got the information and I started calling with my script and building a relationship with them. And like I said, once my cold calling list dried up. I started reaching out to the brokers 
and have a relationship with uh, a few property managers in the area that knows the market and can let me know if the rents are achievable. Would you be able to share a little bit about what your script was when you're talking and calling to those people? Uh, <laughs> sure. I have a call. Hey, Eileen, how are you? This is Dexter Harris. Did I catch you at a bad time? Nope. It's a good time. All right. Hey, I'm calling about your property at 123 ABC Street. I see it's 12 units. I'd like to know what you consider offering your price there, offer on your property there. I'd like to hear your offer first. Sure, I could no be problem. potentially interested. <laughs> no problem at all. My company and I invest in that area in Houston, and we're looking for a 16 or 32 units. And I got came across your information. I'd like to ask you a few questions. What updates have you done to the property? Uh, we did a couple of renovations, nothing too major. We did maybe some interior work. Okay. What about the roofs in the parking lot? The roofs we haven't touched for about like three years. Parking lots, we've kept them the same. They're in good shape. All right. That's good to know. Now, I'd like to know, would you consider selling this property and what will stop you from selling this property and what other decision maker that you need to speak with on selling the property? If I can get the right price with the right buyer, there could we can start a conversation there. If something along those lines come my way and it makes sense. Right on. And what price do you have in mind or a ballpark figure? Just throw a number out to me. Could be interested. We could start our talks maybe around like the $300,000 range. All right. Sounds good. I will most definitely, I will do some homework on the area again to see if your property is worth that. If not, I don't want to insult you with a low ball offer. Would you, would you consider sending me over some numbers on the property? Maybe your rents and your expenses? I'm not comfortable about sending that information just yet. No problem. Well, I'm going to send you an email and this is my number and we can continue growing if that's okay in this space. Yeah, that sounds like a good opportunity. We can stay connected. All right. Thank you for your time, Eileen. You have a great day. Awesome. Thank you for that, <laughs> Dexter. <laughs> no problem at all. No problem at all. <laughs> Been growing in that. You know, I remember I used to be fumbling and stumbling in that script right there, but it has gotten better over time because that was a limited belief I had too. just reaching out to sellers and trying to buy their property, you know, and not making it sound so scripted to where mm-hmm. it sounds like a genuine conversation. Right. And then listening to what they're saying and what their needs are and kind of tailoring it to that. Yes, exactly. So Dexter, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? It has impacted my life because it has helped me be able to be in control of my time and do the things that I enjoy doing, spending time with my wife and my family and my kids and being able to leave them something when I leave this earth, a tangible asset. I appreciate the cash flow that it creates, the forced appreciation when I execute my business strategy and knowing that I have a tangible, hard asset, a diverse portfolio of investments, stocks and my businesses and things like that. But real estate is one thing that keeps on giving me consistent cash flow every month that I appreciate. <laughs> and what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Um, one thing that I know now that I wish I knew then was relationships, continue growing in relationships. It's easy to create a business plan on paper, but it's a little harder to execute it in real life. 
especially when unexpected things happen while you're executing your business plan. One of them going over budget on renovating the unit or a tenant move out in the middle of the night that you were expecting to get the rent from them the next month. So now having my property manager reach out to the tenants and let them know, hey, a new owner is going to be taking over. If you guys want to move out, you have the opportunity to. But also when your lease is up, the rent will be going up or you can either uh, move out or stay. Those things that I have learned that some tenants have done that. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? The one thing that sets a successful person apart is the dedication to hard work, being consistent, showing up, going after what you want in life, even through the setbacks, the stumbling, the falling. As long as you continue pushing and failing forward, you're going to achieve what you want. You just can't give up. And this is something that you really want. You have to continue pushing forward to it. This is what I want to accomplish. Is This is it or nothing else. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all of your story with us today and your incredible background and how you've been able to achieve the success that you've had today. And so I'm super excited and super grateful that you've shared a little bit about yourself with us. No problem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time and let me be a guest on you guys' podcast. It was a pleasure being here. And so if our listeners also wanted to reach out, find out more about you and your story, where's the best place that they can go? Sure. You can find me on my Instagram handle at dharrisgroup. That's on Instagram. Or my website is dharrisgroup.net. You can find me on either one of those social media handles or on my website to get in contact with me. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Dexter. No problem. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.